And now, here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast, sponsored by Audit. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Elevating IT Podcast. I am Mike Brooks, and this is Frank Benedetto. Hey, Frank. That is me. What's up, Mike? How are you? How was your week? Good. Good. How are you doing? Good. It's uh, it was a good week. I think I was sick a little bit in the middle uh, of the week. I wasn't feeling good, and I was like, oh, you know, do I have like? Did you COVID? freak out? No, because I was, you know, I'm thinking it's probably just my stomach saying, you know, you should probably cut back on drinking a little bit. <laughs> a couple about a week and a half ago, I didn't feel good, and uh, I kind of woke up late at night, and I was like, oh no, do I have a fever? And so the next thing I did was I was like trying to see if I could smell. So I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> if you lost I'm your like, taste. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm testing my smell. I'm like, this is terrible. Like how like in your head this is. And uh, so I got up and um, I could have easily just taken my temperature, like just ended it all right there. But right. I waited five hours until about like nine 30 in the morning. I woke up like four. So I, it was like nine 30 and I finally took my temperature. I was like, and I was like sweating, like, cause I was nervous. I was like, this sucks. I mean, like, it's, I'm going to be like this, you know, forever. Yeah. Forever, I, think you know? yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody else is mental like this, but like, I, I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't know why I'm so worried. I guess I know why, but I, I just, you know, I'm like, well, it's because, in my yeah, head you, you know, yeah. Anyway, today we're talking about objections and, and this is a great topic. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about it again, but I think it's a, it, it's like the thing that that causes sales to to die, right? Like when you're in a sales process, um, it, it's the thing that causes things to go off the rails, right? You can have, be having a great sales conversation with somebody, all of a sudden an objection comes up and it just derails everything. So in a moment, we're gonna talk a little bit about sales, but um, I wanted to pre-frame that. And first I wanna say hello to a couple people here. Ty says, hello from Culver City, California. Hey, Ty. Thanks for coming. Uh, make sure you say hi in the comments, whether you're on YouTube. If you, we, we stream this on YouTube and we stream it on Facebook. So, and it's always fun for me. I get to see who is on Facebook and who's on YouTube. And, and believe it or not, more people watch live on YouTube than on Facebook. Yeah. So you can leave comments and you can see Ty's picture came up of his family. And I love the masks. That's pretty cool. They're all, they're all wearing, I don't know if you could see that, Frank. Can you see the comment? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's a, a that's cool, uh, beautiful, beautiful picture. But if you're not able to put your picture up, if your picture doesn't appear up, if you we broadcast through StreamYard, so if you go to StreamYard and, and get credentials, um, you can show your 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 lovely faces to us. Uh, and and Jody's saying hello from New Hampshire, where the um, there is no tax on liquor which here in Connecticut, we know that because we go up sometimes. I know my mother goes up uh, with my stepfather all the time. They go up like once or twice a month to load up. Go clean Actually. out a liquor store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian saying hello from Lafayette, Louisiana. Hello, Brian. Good to see you always. Um, we got all corners of the uh, country covered. Corners of the country. It's great to see everybody. Um, so let's jump in, Frank, and talk about objections. So, right. We all get them, right? Everybody gets objections. 
Um, what are the classic ones that you get as an MSP? I mean, you, you know, and we can talk about objections from the standpoint of every, anything's on the table, right? We're talking broad. Yeah. You can talk about objections from, from setting, you know, from the start to, you know, right. the marketing side to all the so way. I, yeah, let's start there because I, I think, I think what's important is, um, is that your marketing helps you overcome the objections before, before they become objections, right? right. So it really starts there. Uh, again, give I give Robin credit, you know, for for the things that I've learned. Robin uh, Robbins, you got to Robin Robbins, yeah, right? sorry. Technology uh, marketing toolkit. She rebranded something, right? Is that correct? No, I think she's uh, she started Big Red Media, uh, which is a, which you know is in response to all the uh, virtual stuff that people are doing, and she she did a great job with her boot camp, and uh, she learned a bunch of things and and started a company to uh, to help other uh, vendors in the space be able to, uh, you know, pull off these virtual yeah. events. Uh, but I, I learned say, a lot from her. Um, in I got to give a plug before you go on, because I okay. love watching them, what they do, because yeah. they're fast. They implement oh, yeah. with massive speed. They go and they do stuff. I, I love that. And we, me and you always like have debates about that. <laughs> like, I love seeing people just throw mud at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, no, Robin. I don't think Robin sleeps. In fact, I know she doesn't. She, I, we were on a call with her, and she was kidding around. I, I asked her if she was taking any time off. This was over the summer, and she's like, "Summer?" She was like, "I don't take time off." So I never, I never stop. And uh, yeah, I, I believe her. But uh, back to the topic here. Um, it, it starts with that marketing, right? So you you want to try to overcome those objections before they become objections, and you know a variety of, of of things. It's it's one how you market and the types of leads that you generate. So you want to try to make sure that you're you're bringing in people that are more likely going to use your products and services. So you really do need to clearly define your avatar and know who you're looking for, because if you're just spraying and praying, you're going to be doing a whole lot of weeding them out after the fact and usually dealing with more of those, those objections. The other thing is, is being able to answer those, you know, those questions frequently asked questions before they become issues. But assuming that that is already what you're doing, it's inevitable that someone's going to um, probably uh, come in with some objection at some point, right? You're never going to eliminate 100% of those. So that just kind of helps you <clears throat> stack the deck in, in, your, in your favor a little bit. But I mean, the big elephant in the room is always price, right? Like that's the one thing that if you don't do properly and you don't build that value, then then price becomes an issue. They say it's only ever an issue in the absence of value. Um, that that's a big one um, that you know we would sometimes hear. I think also another objection has to do um, with the incumbent, right? So people tend to stick with the devil they know versus the devil they don't know, and and you're the devil they don't know. And then they're worried about <clears throat> that longevity factor, you know, like what's this going to take? Like I've been with the other guy for so long. He kind of knows how we work and even though they're not very good. So sometimes even though you pitch this, they view like that whole onboarding process as a, as a potential objection. Um, <clears throat> those are two big ones that, uh, that, you know, come my way. The other one has to do with support. Um, many companies are so used to, support being like the standard, meaning that like 
doing it right isn't isn't the isn't the the method to follow it's just you are you guys going to be available nights weekends all day long right and i i always mm. try to get them thinking no that's not how we work at all of course i'm not going to be available for you at midnight on sunday right like that's not how we want to structure this we want to head off those you know those those midnight calls by doing things right. So we got to break it, but that, that becomes an objection too. Oh, you don't have 24 hour support. Some people do, you know, the ones who don't. Um, well, let me so, ask you a little bit about that because that's, sure. that's, a, that's a decision too, that not every MSPs, some MSPs are, are um, maybe they're break fix and they're com- trying to convert to MSP, right? Everybody's right. at a different place yeah. in their journey on MSP. You've made a decision to not do that. Right. But there's others out there who are probably sitting here watching this thinking, I'd love to be able to do that. How do I do that? Like talk about that decision process on your part and how that's, you, know, you mean make the change to go to become an MS, MSP versus no, I mean, like, you know, if you're, if you're oh, setting, not offer certain things, not offer certain things. Yeah. That you think because and, and the reason I say that is because sometimes we, people think that I have to say yes to everything. I have to do everything that the customer right. wants, no matter how ridiculous it is, because I don't want to lose the sale. Yep. So I'm talking about maybe giving people confidence to be able to fight that objection the way you fight it. Well, one, I think you need to have alignment in your solution stack. So you have to know exactly what you're offering and where you want that client to be. Because anything to the contrary means there's a lot of work to bring them into alignment. So you need to start that conversation in the beginning and get them to, you know, help them understand this is our, our end game. This is the goal. This is where we ultimately want to to have you with these things and i make it very clear i say you don't want me to be you we don't want you to be the first client with this brand of firewall that we don't work on right we're not experts in that so you know i'm going to say no we don't support that i'm sorry we're going to rip that out and sell you a different one same thing with like say 24-hour support we're not set up for that and i could tell you experience for me has been we sold a 24 by 7 SKU. And anybody I ever sold it to eventually canceled it because what I told them would happen is exactly what happened was they never used it. So if someone comes in, uh, we brought on a client recently who, um, you know, asked about that. I said, listen, we have we have an on-call mechanism. And sure, every once in a while, you know, we, we do get a, you know, we get an emergency call. And it'll come through on our line and we'll handle it. But I said, we don't have somebody sitting there overnight. We would we would handle one call every other week. Like it's just not economically feasible for me. And one and you'd wake up one day and say, "Why am I paying for this? We use it like twice a month." So you just have to be good at at, at knowing where your limitations are and when to say no. And sometimes, uh, you know, we talk about the gaps not wide enough, or if if the if you can't solve the problems that they have, you have to learn when to say no. Like this isn't going to be a good fit for either one of us. We're gonna. It's going to end in frustration, and um, you know I think that prospects will respect that. If they don't, that's even a bigger sign that you know that that you're in the wrong spot. So I think that for me, it's always been just knowing where our limitations are. I remember one prospect saying to me, "You mean we're going to rip this firewall out that we just put in last month?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, one, I don't know why you'd buy a firewall from an IT company that you were looking to get rid of anyway, but nonetheless, I said, unfortunately, this isn't one that we support." And uh, at the end of the day, they bought a new firewall and they were like, do you want this? And I, I took it like to make them feel better about it. But I threw it in the garbage. I mean, it was a brand new firewall. It's just, we don't 
we don't support it. And, you know, now is not the time for us to become a, you know, an expert in that. So, you know, it wasn't really an objection though. I don't think these are just the, really the things that pop up. I think really going well, that's back. That's an interesting one because that talk, that, that's education, right? Like, so <clears throat> it's only an objection if you don't get them past, you headed something off. Like it could have been an objection, but you headed something off at, at, at the front. And I'm sure there's more to it. Like, you must have educated them on why that firewall should go in the garbage. <laughs> and as long as they believe well, that and they go, okay, you know what? It's going to cost us more. Yeah. And, and so that's a great example. And really this is all about helping them to understand the current state. See, I, I got way more objections, especially based on price when I didn't help the prospect understand their current state. And we went right over to the proposal. Because then what I had to do is go line by line and explain every little thing. So, of course, we're, we're stuck on why am I buying another firewall? I never had. So you, what I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, uh, we just did a presentation for a law firm on, uh, on Wednesday and um, we can't go to their office. So we spoke to them. Uh, they were on a prospect list. So we did some marketing. They called us up and said, you know, we brought the server home like six months ago. We've been like sort of half copying files all over. This isn't the right way to work. So it's like right in our wheelhouse for cloud. And <clears throat> as we were um, uh, talking to them, I'm taking notes of what all their issues and problems are. Now, I don't know what's in their office. So I don't know what firewall they have, but I, so I'm still doing an audit for them. So I changed it. I took out the stuff that, you know, normally we would physically verify. And I swapped into my audit other things under cybersecurity that were important. So when we when it came time to do the uh, you know the presentation and to tell them how much our services were going to be, we went through the audit. So present plan, I went through all the things that were wrong to help them understand. And you know, in in the case of say that firewall that you know the example that you brought up, I would show that firewall is yellow and say, hey, you have a new firewall, but it's not being monitored. And, uh, you know, and, and that's pretty typical because a lot of these guys don't monitor them. So then I say, you want me to not be able to monitor it either? Like, I got to resolve this. So we don't support that brand, but we support this brand. And then I could show it as green. So it becomes, and, I, and I've easily helped them understand, no, I need to put, this has to be green and this is how we get there. And so once I went through the, the present, the current plan for these guys, they scored a 26. I actually could bring them to a hundred. A lot of times it's rare. Um, I told them, I said, Hey, there might be some things in your office that we find one day when we get there. But for right now, this would resolve all the issues as I see them. And it's $2,300 a month. And they were like, okay. And then, you know, they had, they had a couple questions about a few things that weren't techie. Um, I brought the proposal out only to show them, Hey, this is the project. And here's the bottom line. We went through not one line item. And I thought to myself, you know, before using audit, what would I have done in that scenario? Well, we've been using the proposal, right? Mm -hmm. Now, one mistake people make is emailing it. So we, we would never email it. So like, no, we, we want, yeah. But I would have had to have like pulled the proposal up on the screen. You know, one of these, four of these, six of these. And there's no, you can't convey value and it's so confusing. Here it was like, boom, boom. They, um, they called yesterday with a question. It was, a, it was, again, a buying sign when they have a question. Um, it had to do with like, you know, how do we count workstations? And uh, we gave them a little incentive. It said, hey, if you sign by the end of the quarter, 
we could take a little bit off of the onboarding because our cloud vendor is going to give us a little incentive. So we could pass along to you. If not, you know, take your time, you know. So um, I think we'll we'll get them to sign by Monday. But, you know, all signs seem to indicate that. But um, heading off those problems or showing it this way greatly minimizes it. And then we don't get into a price uh, issue at all. Yeah. Another uh, one of the other ways I know, like, so I mentioned um, price as an objection sometimes. Um, if they have another proposal and they're just trying to understand it. So we do our presentation, they understand that, but they have no idea what the other uh, competitor is trying to show. We ought to oftentimes offer to audit the proposal. So it's kind of like saying, hey, here's our future plan. I know what ours includes. Let me have their proposal and I'll audit it. I'll tell you what they're providing to you, right? I love that tactic. Yeah, and, and it, we've, we've done it uh, more often than you would think. I tell them, I say, take the name off. It's fine. I'm not looking to disparage or you know pick on anybody. Take the name off. You can even take the pricing off for iCare because it's irrelevant. I don't care what they're charging for it. Right. All I want to see is what they're offering to you. And because I understand, I, I, I speak, you know, the geek and ease, I can look at that and I could audit it. And then I could show them the two things. And then what I'm able to do is say, hey, our solution offers all this and their solution offers a subset of it. And then you can make an educated uh, comparison. So it's not like, well, you're three grand and they're two grand, but it's not the same thing, right? It's two grand, but you're getting less for it. But right. again, a prospect doesn't understand it. So that tactic has, has served me well. That's brilliant. Like, and and we should make sure people know because not everybody who's on here is an audit user, but you're using audit to do this. I mean, you're. I want to make sure that's clear. This is the Elevating IT podcast, but it's sponsored by Audit. Right. So. That's, well, yeah, that's, I mean, I, really that's what I because I use it. I mean, that's how I how I handle these 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 things. Um, yeah. And then you know the mentality too. There's there's two things here, right? So. There in our industry, there is getting a new client, right? So you have a prospect that you've never worked with. You you have to get them as a client. And I think that's oftentimes overlooked because everyone talks about like doing the VCIO stuff, right? Which is upselling and crossing existing clients, which is a great way to keep the client sticky um, and make sure you're doing a good job and certainly easier to sell to existing clients than get a new one. But you need to get new clients too. Right. So so yeah. we I use, you know, so this this is where you get a lot more of the objections. When we're talking about an existing client, I think you get less objections. But I also use upsell. I'll give you I'll give you a quick example. If uh, if, if you if you don't mind, um, yeah. we recently Brian says um, he loves that tactic, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Um, we uh, we recently became a, a partner with ThreatLocker. Um Great company, really. I, I saw a need for this in our cyber stack, which was uh, application uh, whitelisting. And, and tell me about tell me what who ThreatLocker is. I've heard of them, but give me kind yeah. of the, the basics of who they are. Yeah, they do. Uh, so they do application whitelisting and, and data protection. Uh, it was an area that we we thought we were deficient in. That you know, basically the concept of zero trust. So at the end of the day you only can run the things that we've approved. And if you try to execute anything, whether it's, you know, stuff that you legitimately need to run or like malware, like the bad stuff, it would, it would be blocked. And then, you know, then there's a mechanism in place to request 
the ability to run those things. So again, it just helps you really, you know, button up um, that local mm -hmm. environment. Um, and then of course the data protection side, really cool stuff. Like, you know, cause we get questions like how, how do you prevent people from saving stuff on their desktop? We, you know, in the past we'd be like, well, it's a policy. You just tell them not to do it, but if they do it, you're, you know, you suffer the consequences, but here we could actually manage that. So, you know, everything out there is, uh, you know, you, 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 um, need to add to your stack. So selling it going forward is pretty easy because we, we build it into a bundle and raise our price, you know, incrementally to be able to handle that. But I have to sell that to, you know, all my existing clients. So, you know, we're already in the process of creating the infographic so we can educate and then adding that. In fact, we already added it into audit. And now as I do my business reviews, hey, there's going to be a red box for that, for that audit item. And of course, you know, what's the question? Well, what is that? I'm glad you asked. Here's the infographic. How much is it? Oh, it's only, you know, X dollars more per month. And, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, from a few months back. I've got my clients cultured into they want to see green. They don't really want to see red. If I show up with red, they're, they're kind of saying to me, why do you, why do you resolve this? And I right. go, well, because it was, uh, I didn't want to charge you an extra $50 a month. They'd look at me like, are you crazy? Like we pay you $5,000 a month. So you left us exposed with risk that you identified for 50 bucks or hundred bucks a month. Right. So not everybody can do this. I understand, but that's a cultural thing. Right. So when we're, when we're working with existing clients, they're used to, you know, looking at those reports, seeing the deficiencies. And there's an expectation that Two River Technology Group is handling these things. Right. Smaller clients are the ones that are super price conscious. I, you know, the, those are the ones that were more likely to have that longer protracted meeting. But if you've never, you know, used the style before, that's what you do. Go in there and yeah. say, hey, we like to educate you. And I've done that a bunch of times this year. Uh, this would be the third product that I've introduced since uh, since COVID hit. That it will be an, lead to an upsell. And uh, so anyway, those guys have been pretty cool uh, to work with. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about adding them into uh, our stack. And, yeah. you know, Talk about selling. getting over a price objection. Like you can, you can basically go out and get a new product that you've decided to add to your stack mm -hmm. and just add it to your, to your existing clients charge them money and then never really have to worry about it. I mean, that's, there's no, that's really, you've definitely handled that price objection thing. Yeah. Well, there's value. And again, that, that's the expectation. So we're not raising prices. We're, we're, we're adding something of value and it costs a little bit more. Um, you know, I think when we did it uh, in April, I had one client question me on it. Like how, how could you raise prices during a pandemic? And I said, well, I didn't raise my price. We actually added two pieces of, of technology here to help keep you protected and safe, especially with people working from anywhere. Right. And then they said, oh, wow, thanks for, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, like, thank you for that. So, you know, again, it was a little bit of a, of a and that's really what we're doing. A lot of it's education and then the value just follows. Sure. And then it's like, yeah, let's do that. And it's and okay. So worst case scenario anyway is you just go, you know what? I, I'll refund your money, right? Well, that's exactly what I said. I said, I'm happy to roll you back to, uh, you know, to not have it. But, and to be honest with you, this is always the interesting thing for me as an MSP. It probably costs me more for you not to have that. And sometimes what I'll do is like, if, and if I'm not charging you for it, I might roll it out anyway. And I remember this tactic 
back when uh, when they were teaching us how to go from break fix to be to do managed services. And they would say, you should put your managed services agent on every computer, whether you're doing break fix or not, because it makes it easier for you to do your job. Right. So even though you're paying for it and the client is not footing the bill, the price is so small that it just innate, and that was really what helped us grow quickly in the very, very beginning. This is years ago. Cause I was like, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to make my life easier, right? I'm not going to let the client dictate how hard my job is going to be because they impact the results that I have. So, and as you grow, um, you know, it just makes sense. So I kind of adopt that same mentality a lot of times with, with this, because here's my thinking, if I have 50 clients and 49 of them, you know, use, or and pay me for something, and one says no. Who's the one client I'm going to have the problem with on Sunday night yeah, at midnight? Yeah, exactly. That client. And then, and then, of course, they, of course, they would have bought it had they realized what that impact is. But I just don't want to be in that position. So sometimes I say, you know what, I'm going to put it in there uh, anyway. I may pay for it myself, and you know that may. Some people might go, "Oh my God, that's terrible! You lose margin." But it, it'll it, it helps with alignment, and the alignment helps me stay um uh lean and mean you know in terms of like being leveraged and if i can hire one less person because i'm paying a couple bucks a month for a tool that does the job doesn't complain doesn't take any days off to me sometimes that's worth it right awesome well ty said this is a great reminder that i need to add a faq to my website and he said that earlier when you were talking about that um i'm glad you brought that up because that's that's really you know, I, we do a lot of blogging at audit. I do, you know, I, I deal with that and, and I'm always writing stuff, always posting things out on social media and nine times out of 10, they're answering questions. I always answer, you know, I'm always writing to the questions that I get asked regularly and um, don't just write them once. That's my advice as a content marketing person uh, is, is you can answer the same question in a hundred different ways. And yep. it helps it actually is really good for your website, by the way, from an SEO perspective, if you're answering those questions, especially from the prospect point of view, um, you're going to you're going to get those hits on Google that you're looking for. So blogging and FAQ, continually writing about it. Um, one of the one of the folks that that early tactic that I used uh, is taking a question. This is in my previous business. And taking the price question and just writing it in different ways. So one blog post might be, how much does this cost? What's the price of this thing? And you, you can break that into all these different cool headlines that are basically answers in Google. So yeah. one, of, one of the coolest things for price wise that I, I've, uh, I've seen, and I probably don't use it enough, but um, was breaking it down to the smallest unit that somebody could understand. Right. So instead of telling them, Hey, it's uh it's two bucks a month per, you know, per computer or whatever. If you could break that down to a day. Right. And you say it's like four cents a day. Right. People break it down to the ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes that works too, you know, just in answering that question, like say for as little as four cents a day per person, sure. like you're heading off like this big issue that we see. Uh, that that helps a lot of times. It's sure. when you talk about the FAQ. It's funny. I remember when I first 
um, had launched Two River Tech probably, you know, 15 or 16 years ago. And I put together, I had like a folder. Remember when it was more of the uh, the show me environment? Yeah, sure. So you had your brochure. I had a really cool brochure and I had, um, you know, the folder and I had stuff that I would put in there. And I, and I remember um, I wrote a letter, like a, it was like a form letter. It was like, you know, dear prospect, like, or I think I, I put dear future, like Two River Tech client like something like that like i assumed you were going to become a client right and i kind of wrote and it was sort of like you know my my mentality and just let you know what you're getting involved with it was funny i, I found it not long ago i was like wow, this is pretty cool like i should still use this you could then, probably digitize it you know that could be a, yeah. a anything you've ever written can be put you know if you have stuff that you did like that it's great to dig it out and see where you can fit it in in the website and one of them was the faq and it was, I just, and I remember, you know, people would ask me questions like, how do you, like, what do you charge hourly? Like, do we get charged for this? Uh, do you charge, you know, to come on site or do you charge for travel? Like whatever it was, the FAQs, like I, I got tired of answering. So to your point, you know, if people ask you a question enough times, that's usually your indication to, you know, create yeah. an answer as an FAQ and head off, head it off from the beginning. But uh, yeah, whether it's on your website or in a, you know, in a package you send to the prospect ahead of time, I think it's a, it's a great uh, idea. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, we can dig deep into this. I think we're getting close to the half hour. So we'll wrap up. Maybe we'll do this, maybe part two of this next week and do okay. an advanced. Um, Cause it, you know, the, how you answer these is important too. Um, for example, back in my my martial arts school running days, I ran a martial arts school, and that was the number one question. It's the number one question for everybody, right? How much does it cost? My answer always was, it depends. And then I went into why it depends, because, and then trying to turn turn it around, because their phone call, if it's a phone call, um, and you answer it without understanding why they're asking the question, what the you you can go down the wrong path, you scare them off. There's there's a there's tons of reasons why you don't want to necessarily answer a question at a certain point. So we could probably dig into that again. Yeah, I, I, I final thought too. I had a uh, I was having a conversation earlier today with someone from the industry, you know, about about selling, and uh, we were just talking about how it's changed a little bit in the last like four or five six months, where you don't have as great enough an it's good an opportunity to build that relationship with a prospect. And now, like when you're getting these phone calls, it really is like almost like a price call because you haven't like had an opportunity to go meet with them and, and maybe do that proper assessment. So, you know, it's you got to be careful that you don't get drawn into that, that you do, you know, figure out a way to to build that relationship, hopefully give them reasons to say yes. I mean we talked about this. I just had, you know, my, uh, my, uh, air conditioner, you know, the furnace, all that stuff replaced. And I know the guy really well. So I trust him. Yeah. He sent me like links to stuff. I, I have no idea what the heck I was reading. Right. Like it was, it was like completely foreign to me. Right. And you know, I'm, I think I'm a smart guy. So I tried to follow along as I bet when I said yes to him, it was because I trusted him recommending it to me. Right. Now, I had another uh, HVAC company that I had no relationship 
said that for that price, I probably would have said no and done a whole lot more research. So a lot of times when they say no on the objection, it's it's not that they're not going to do anything. It's just that they're not convinced that it's worth what the value that you've either built or failed to build, right? So this guy built value in the relationship. I trusted him and I said, okay, let's do it. Uh, so, so that's important. So, you know, in, in, in these new, new times that we have, I just, I think for now into, you know, a while in the future, we're going to have to work in this hybrid mode where you don't quite have that same ability to go meet somebody, shake their hand, you know, just listen, have a conversation. There's, there's a reason why people, you know, go on site versus do everything, you know, remotely like this. Awesome. Well, I think we'll wrap it here before we go. So what, what I think I'd like to pick this up next week, Frank. I think we've got we could talk about this again next week and expand on it. Um, if you're listening and you've got you, you drop a drop a comment and let us know what objection you'd like us to talk about. What objection or what with anything with objections from from prospecting to selling to closing to any part of the sales cycle. Let us know what the objections are that you hear. Um, or that you've had a challenge overcoming scenarios where you have been successful to overcome objections, tip, tips, tricks that you might have. And if you're not comfortable leaving it in the comments, we always love the comments, but feel free to email them to me. My, my email is mike at auditforit.com. Um, that's auditforit.com, not the number four. And uh, this was great, great conversation. I think, you know, this is really important to explore because it makes or breaks the sale. Yep, absolutely. All right, have a great week, everybody. It's getting a little chillier out there. So enjoy the weather while you can still get outside. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we have a couple more nice days coming and then, uh, then it's gonna be cold. Yeah, so. we'll be back at you next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody. All right, see ya.